On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. If you listen to Locked On Kentucky on a regular basis, you're going to get info on the cats that you just won't get anywhere else. We're going to talk today first about UK's signing class. It's official. Everyone is signed. Six players in. It's the number one ranked class in the country. We'll start with that. Then we'll get into football in the second half. Some good stuff from Boogie Watson today. Uh, talk about Brad White as well and just some historical numbers on this UK football season and, and what, what it means to get 10 wins in a season and how how hard it is to sustain it the following season historically for Kentucky. And then lastly, uh, we'll get into James Wiseman, that decision, and some other stuff. Uh, but right now, we welcome in Kyle Tucker, uh, as always. Good evening, Kyle, as we record this, uh, let's see, late on, what is this, Wednesday, Wednesday night. Wednesday night, yeah, Wednesday night. I'm in Kansas City in a hotel lobby, so if people are uh, <laughs> hearing some ambient noise, sorry about that. Uh, uh, traveled for, uh, my wife's having another procedure here tomorrow, so... Uh, up, uh, up late in the hotel lobby talking a little, uh, little cats. Well, hopefully all those people out there listening to this will uh, send prayers your way, and, and that'll, you know, that'll be a nice, powerful thing to get that many people thinking about your wife. Uh, that would be nice. I appreciate that. Yeah, we, I've, we've had some pretty awesome support uh, every time I've mentioned it publicly that we were somewhere getting something done. This is, I think, going to be her s- either sixth or seventh surgery of this year. Wow. Uh, so I think we're, all, we're now approaching 80 doctor or hospital visits this year. Uh, it's been a crazy year, but uh, we've had a lot of support, and we appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, do that one more time for us. Hopefully this is going to get her right or mostly right, and uh, we can get on with our lives. All right, well, let's get on with the podcast here and uh, talk about this Kentucky signing class. So it's official. B.J. Boston uh, signed his paperwork, so all six are now in. And that made it uh, the number one recruiting class in the country, like uh, Rivals and ESPN and 24-7 Sports. They all um, you know, uh, updated their rankings and made Kentucky number one. Uh, so that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and and you know uh, there was never any really any question uh, on BJ Boston, but it, for, you know there's the people that want to have something to worry about. I think found a reason to worry that it had gone. Uh-huh. You know, all these other guys had officially signed and Boston had not, but he's in. It is. I, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I don't mean this to like as a totally as an insult, but I guess it is a little bit. But Kentucky basketball fans are are, are sort of spoiled in recruiting. Uh-huh. Uh, and, I, and I don't know if anyone really appreciate, or many people really appreciate how ridiculous it is to have six top 50 players, not committed, not maybes, signed, done in the early period. Uh, you know, if you had six period, that would be incredible. But they have six in the early period. By far, the most damage Cal's ever done in this early period. I think maybe the most damage anyone has ever done. I'm not sure anyone has ever signed six top 50 players before you know, December. Um, and so it's, it's a, it's a great class. Even if they didn't add anyone, it may hold as the number one class. I'm not sure if anybody can even catch them. Uh, but I don't think they're done. In fact, I mean, I know they're not done trying, uh, and I don't think they're done adding. I think they'll get at least one more really good player. I'd guess maybe one high school player and one Juco. Um, 
because I do, or not JUCO, well, maybe JUCO, but uh, grad, grad transfer. transfer. I, I think they'll want to age up a little bit um, because this is right now, this is six freshmen coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and two of them have reclassified, Devin Askew and Terrence Clark. So it's going to be a young group. Um, but it, it is a very impressive uh, group. If you go by the 247 composite, uh, they got number four, Terrence Clark. Overall in the class, number 13, B.J. Boston, number 18, Devin Askew, number 26, Isaiah Jackson, all five stars, uh, number 34, Lance Ware, number 45, Cameron Fletcher. Um, And that's a couple shooting guards, a couple wings, a couple power forwards, uh, a point guard. Um, They they, they really need like one maybe true center type, uh, and and then you – you'd have a complete team without without knowing who was coming back next season from this year's team. Well, it's funny. I was in the grocery store, and the clerk, um, you know, saw me wearing a, a U.K. hat. And so and I don't hide that, by the way. I, I went to U.K., so uh, but I fully understand what it means to, to not be biased, uh, you know, and, and – uh, all that you know, conflict of not asking the tough question. I've never shied away from asking a tough question. The fact that I went to UK is never going to keep me from from doing that. But it's not going to stop me from wearing UK merchandise either. But uh, anyway, so I'll throw that out there. So when the guy sees my UK hat and he says, you know, you're gonna uh, this class, and he's talking about the class, and I was like, yeah, I mean, to get this, this is pretty darn good to get these six guys, and they're going to be all wrapped up already in the early signing period. And he goes, yeah, but. Cal's just not – he can get as many players as he wants, but he's just not getting the the Zion Williamson's oh or the Anthony Davises anymore or the John Walls. It's uh, so like, funny. Eh. You're really, then, really making my point there. And then he says, you get this number one recruiting class every year, and then they don't win the championship. And he went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wasn't going to argue that. I'm just trying to buy my groceries and move on. So yeah. I just kind of nodded I mean, and said, yeah. I mean, you can – it's certainly fair to point out that you know, there's been a shift in the last five-ish years where they went from getting like they were getting these kind of classes, but they were punctuating them with uh, at least one, you know, game-changing talent. You know, you, John Wall, uh, Anthony Davis, um, you know, Carl Towns. Yeah. I get, I get that. I mean, they had three number one picks, um, and they haven't gotten one of those type guys in a while. But this is a really, I mean, this is a great class. Um, and, and whether you win the national title or not, like the, this is when you're rebuilding every year, excuse me, when you're rebuilding every year, this is how you have a chance to. And they have a chance right. to every year. They're in they're, they're right there every year. And to, to that point, I was saying to you before we started, they, they put this chart in the official releases. And, you know, the way we know it is official is Kentucky, as, as they do, they wait till they're, they know their last guy in the signing period is, is in. Uh, and before they put out any official comment from the uh, staff. Um, and they did that on all six guys today with quotes from Calipari. But in there, they put their graphic and, and of the year-by-year recruiting rankings. And the RSCI is kind of the standard for it, – it's the it's like the 247 composite on steroids. It takes like every single ranking there is and pulls them all together. Uh, and, and these are the class rankings under Calipari and it, it doesn't include this year yet, but it, it, they're going, they're number one right now in every service. So they would be number one. So the rankings starting in the first year forward is one, 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 two, three, 
one one two two one. <laughs> I mean, that is incredible. Uh, and the three was in 2015 when they went 38 and 0. Yes. Yeah. Right. It was. Yeah. It was the. It was the. Oh 20, no! Wait. No. Oh, it was, so it would. It would be the 2015. 16 class right, right, so it was right, it was right. it was the scal class right 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 um, yeah. which as we know turned out to not be that great and they kind of had mm-hmm. to cobble it together they had to get uh he was great but they had to get jamal murray he was the kind of the headliner of that class as it turned out scal was a highly ranked guy but didn't pan out yeah um, that sucked they lost to indiana and the, the, didn't even make it out of the first or second week well and that's what you know that's one of those many many like one piece missing what ifs for kentucky like if dakari johnson just does oh. the, does the wise thing and comes back to school that team had the best backcourt in america with with Absolutely. tyler Eulis and jamal murray and their third best player ended up playing in the nba isaiah briscoe uh in the backcourt uh, they had Alex Poitras. Like they just needed a, a center. <laughs> uh, but and Scal uh, was supposed to be that guy, yeah. right? And he just didn't pan out. But uh, anyway, I digress. I, it's a it's a great group. It, it it is a really good class. And one thing I wanted to mention from the class because he, I think his yeah he happened on a he committed and as sort of a surprise on a weekend. So we didn't talk a ton about Isaiah Jackson, uh, the last guy to commit in this class. Um, but he's big for, for one reason. We talk about things they haven't gotten in a while. You think about uh, Anthony Davis, um, uh, Nerlens Noel, Carl Anthony Towns, Willie Cauley-Stein. Kentucky had these great shot blockers all in a row. It was like shot blocker you. Um, Anthony, Nerlens, Willie all blocked 100 plus in 2012, in 2013, and 2015. Uh, yeah. Carl, Carl Towns, even splitting time with Willie that year, had 88 blocks. And since then, they've not had a single player even block more than 60 mm-hmm. in a season. Um, and so they've really missed that elite rim protector. And Isaiah Jackson uh, led the e- – I think led the – no, third in the EYBL, the Nike League, in block shots. He had 41 block shots in 18 games. He's really bouncy, really aggressive. Uh, and I thought it was interesting. I went to go see what Cal had to say about him, and I thought this was a, a notable quote. Uh, Isaiah is without a doubt one of the best defenders in this class. You're talking about an elite shot blocker who can guard one through five. That that alone is a huge deal to add to this class. They 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 just haven't had that guy in a long time. And if, if he can if he can really protect the rim, that's something that's been missing. It's something they'd love to have on this year's team. Yeah, and Calipari always says that erases a lot of mistakes uh, when you're defending. If you know when when a let's say a Nate Sestina gets beat off the ball, or or another one of your guys gets beat off the ball, uh, that you've got a rim protector inside to erase some of those mistakes. All right, we should take a break right now. And uh, coming up next, we'll uh, if you want to discuss more of this, Kyle, this signing class, we will. But we'll also get into football for sure uh, when Locked On Kentucky continues. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Kentucky podcast here with Kyle Tucker, who's out in Kansas City uh, in a hotel lobby there. So if you hear some ambient noise, that's what that is. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, and we were talking about the, the UK signing class. Was there anything else, Kyle, that you wanted to add to that? before we move on to football uh no i mean we've i think we've kind of talked about a lot of these guys um Already, yeah you know i mean terrence clark is is when you talk about did, have they gotten an elite guy 
Terrence Clark's got a chance to be that. He was a top five player. He's the first top five player they've gotten since 2015. Um, he's a little bit raw in some areas, but he's a freak athletically. Uh, he was, the, I think, the very first guy Cal went to watch uh, in the when the spring recruiting period started. I was out at that Nike event in Atlanta, or outside of Atlanta, uh, and he was front row. Cal was in the front row. I think it was Cal and Tony Barbie, and Justice was was there as well. Um, they really kind of had the full grouping, and it might have been him and Cade Cunningham playing each other, but. Uh, um, he's he's a special player. Cal, in his quotes, said one of the most talented basketball players in the country, regardless of class. Uh, and he says he has a toughness to him that the Big Blue Nation is going to really love. Um, so, uh, so he said he was one of those guys that came and you know on his visit watched them work out, and, the, and he said like I want that basically. Um, and those are the kind of guys you want. You know, Cal Perry wants to to bring in. So um, yeah, I think Boston. When when you think about you know, scoring, Boston's going to be a terrific scorer. Um, he has a chance that, you know, on paper right now, they don't have just a pure shooter, but I do think that, that B.J. Boston can become that. And then I think the most important piece of this whole class was Devin Askew, um, especially when they swung and missed on Kate Cunningham. I don't think that's as big a deal because they got Devin Askew. He's like a perfect kind of point guard to have when you've got a bunch of talent around him. So that, that, those are my only my only thoughts, really, that I wanted to, to squeeze in on this this signing class. Well, I'll throw this in here, too, because uh, when you look at what, what Kentucky's roster is right now, um, you think if Nick Richards uh, plays well this year, he'll, he'll try the NBA. Uh, you figure Ashton Haggins, if he has a good season, he'll go. Uh, if EJ Montgomery lives up to his potential this season, he's probably gone. And then of the freshmen, I think Tyrese Maxey is the only guy that you look at and say, yeah, he's, he's, if, he, if he plays the way he should play, he'll be a guy. But Johnny Juzang, Keon Brooks, Khalil Whitney, um, I mean, those guys, Dante Allen, um, Probably not going to see those guys uh, take off for the NBA unless they have, you know, unless they really develop over the season, which which can happen, and uh, and they can come along a little bit, and then in the tournament, you know, if they do enough in the tournament, that can always change that. But uh, there's a chance they have these six guys and three or four of those freshmen back uh, next season, that and then they add somebody else in this class. It could be. Uh, one of those super teams. Yeah, I mean, you know, in a dream world, if you got one of, of Nick or EJ back, that would be, uh, you know, then then you're all set all, all the way across the board, no matter who you're bringing in. I mean, if for some reason you could get Nick Richards to come back as a senior, I like, I don't even know if you need to add anybody. Uh, if you knew you were going to have that right now, um, you know, if he keeps playing like he's playing now, he won't be back. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think, Cal has, you know, obviously wants to win this season, but I think he in his mind has for a while thought next season could really be the next time he's got a, a super special group. Yeah, especially if he has a shot blocker in um, in Isaiah Jackson to go with another big. Um, yes, yeah, because, I mean, I think Jackson would be more of like a help side blocker. He wouldn't be just like right. the guy like patrolling the paint. He's like 6'9", 180 pounds. He's a, he's a, a thin guy, but uh, but really – has instincts and the athleticism and the length to block shots. Okay, so now let's move on to football. And um, 
Uh, Brad White, only a couple notable comments. The defensive coordinator said that J.J. Weaver, he said, took a big step forward in the Vandy game, that he saw some really big things. And Stoops complimented J.J. Weaver on Monday. And then Xavier Peters, you know, when it was announced that he was coming here and from Florida State and then he finally got the eligibility rule, you thought, oh, well, they'll just plug him right in. And that didn't happen. And then he's had some um, – I get the one thing that was made public was that he was late to a meeting and – uh, he's got to live up to our standard was kind of what Stoops said. And so Brad White asked about Zay, was asked about Xavier Peters, and he said, still very much a process going through some growing pains. So hopefully Xavier Peters is able to, to, to get through this and figure it out, and hope, hopefully that wasn't a big reason why he's not at Florida State anymore either. Uh, yeah. he would be a big piece for next season. Yeah, I think people really made uh, leapt to some assumptions. He's a four-star recruit, and he went. He was at Florida State, and everybody wanted him. And I get, I get all that. But I mean, he had what, like one tackle <laughs> last uh-huh. year, last yeah. year at Florida State, and you know he transfers after you know one year. Uh, there's obviously some stuff going on there, um, and I and I think people maybe jumped too soon. To, uh, he's going to be a he's just going to be a plug and play star for Kentucky. Um, and, and just checking in with people before any of this stuff came out, just when he, when he got cleared, I checked in over there, like, you know, is this guy going to be an impact player? And everybody's, everybody I talked to was kind of like, mm, maybe pump the brakes. Like just mm-hmm. let's manage yeah. expectations a little bit. And that's not for the long term, but just in the short term. And then JJ Weaver, I mean, the, the crazy thing is that they're, they are going to recruit, they're going to redshirt this entire freshman class. <laughs> right. Which is um, and 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 that doesn't mean the same thing that it used to. They're going to redshirt them all, and JJ Weaver is going to play four games. You know what I yeah. mean? Like he's gonna he's gonna have ten or fifteen tackles and you know a couple sacks, and you know, he's already got he's played in two games. He's got five tack five solo tackles, six total. Got a tackle for loss. Has broken up a pass. Has a quarterback hurry, and he's going to be a redshirt player. Yeah. Um, that to me is for especially. I mean, it's it's valuable to everybody, but I think for a program like Kentucky, where you you're you're obviously trying to recruit better than you ever have before, but you're still going to have to have an edge in development uh, over some other people because you're still never going to recruit at the level of Alabama and Georgia and LSU, and and probably Florida. Um, for you to have to have an edge in development when you can redshirt your entire class, but also half of them play the full four games that you're allowed now. Uh, that's, I think that's just enormous. I'm not even sure you can quantify just how valuable uh, that is for them. And for JJ Weaver to do some of the things Stoop said, like taking the coaching and fundamentally he's seeing things from him in the game uh, beyond just his athleticism. This is a guy who, in a few years, could be a Josh Allen type because he's a he's kind of a thin guy when he came in. Um, I mean, he's tall, he's quick and athletic, but he doesn't have a lot of bulk on him. And we saw how Josh Allen changed his body from the time he walked into to UK to when he left. And if J.J. Weaver can do that and keep that speed and athleticism, he's a guy uh, that I think you'll see even as maybe a sophomore, like a redshirt sophomore, take one of those jumps and have, you know, have a decision to make there. Uh, but um, Calvin Taylor is a guy that they're going to miss next year. And I didn't realize this, but I heard Tom Leach ask him, what does it mean to you to be in the hunt for the uh, SEC sacks lead? Yeah, Calvin Taylor's six sacks, tied for third in the SEC with six others. Auburn's Marlon Davidson second with six and a half, and Tennessee's Gerald Taylor leads with seven. So I didn't realize that his six sacks 
were anywhere close to the lead in the SEC. Yeah, it's a little bit of a down year, I think you could say, in terms of that. It's going to be a low total that probably leads the, the league in sacks. But yeah, he's one one sack off, off the pace. The other thing that was before we started that that made me think to go look at is just how ridiculous of a year Josh Allen had last year. He had 17 sacks, which was uh, which was five and a half more than anybody else in the league last year. But then I went back through all the way back to 2009, which is as far back as CFB Stats uh, database goes. And it turns out for the decade, for the whole last decade, from 2009 to 2019, Josh Allen had the most sacks of any player in the SEC. That is uh, amazing. And not by a little bit. Uh, let's see, 13 one year. I think uh, one guy, Shane Ray from Missouri, had 14 and a half in 2014. That's the closest to him. Two and a half, two and a half more. He had two and a half more than any other player in the entire decade in the SEC. So, you know, when you, and again, when you lose that, plus you lose your entire secondary and you rank in the top 30 basically in everything nationally defensively like Kentucky has this season, that is a, another tip of the cap to uh, Mark Stoops, to Brad White, to that whole staff. And Calvin Taylor being in the mix to lead the league in sacks, does anybody remember what Calvin Taylor was when they brought him in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was nothing. I mean, not to – he was, what, a two-star recruit who I think wanted to be an offensive lineman. Uh, doesn't look anything like a defensive end. He's like 6'9", whatever he is, 6'9", <laughs> 290. Yeah. Uh, I, I am amazed. I mean, amazed that he turned out to be – uh, what he has turned out to be. Which is a guy who will get a chance in the NFL. All right, got to take another break, and we didn't get to what Boogie Watson said, but I definitely want to. There's some good stuff here to talk about, and we'll do that uh, when we return here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. Let me tell you about DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com forward slash offers. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, Kyle Tucker from The Athletic and Dan Reefer from Fox 56. That's me back here with you. And uh, we want to continue our football conversation because I want to get to Boogie Watson. Um, what he said when he was asked about playing UT Martin. All right, all these guys say, well, we're just trying to go one and no. Are we motivated to get to the bowl game? Yeah. But, and then Landon Young said, yeah, you can't take any opponent too lightly. And so, so that's all the talk, right? You don't want to step out and say so. He said, yeah, well, we got an F, F, FCS opponent coming up. Hopefully we go out there and display our dominance. After practice Wednesday, this is Boogie Watson saying, me and the leaders of the defense got together, and it's no secret that FCS opponents have come in here the last few years and stuck around and made games closer than they should be. We're trying to focus on that. We know how the past has been. We're a different team. So we're trying to make sure we play the way we're supposed to from start to finish. So I, I think it's nice for him to come out and say it's an FCS opponent. We should dominate them, and that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think the fan base would uh, like hearing that, but like even more to see that uh, pan out on Saturday. I think that mm-hmm. that has certainly been a source of frustration many times 
uh, for fans when they play a team that it feels like they're they're much more talented than, uh, and they, that team hangs around and hangs around and hangs around, and you got to sweat, and it's like, can't you just have a game where you blow out the team that you're better than, and the and the backups get to get some quality reps, and that you know I think that that also is a factor. They haven't had a whole lot of opportunities this year where everybody could sit back and relax uh, and they could play some guys that they need to get some reps. Uh, I'm sure Stoops would love to have that happen in this one. Yeah, and Boogie also brought up that that's the difference between the FCS and FBS. It's not the skill positions necessarily. It's in the trenches, and that's where we plan to dominate this game. And then Boogie also said, um, look, I've been to a bowl game every year I've been here, so I really don't know anything else. I don't know what it's like for the season to end after the 12th game. So I'm ready to go to a four-straight bowl, and I want my class to say that we went to five-straight bowl games. And that's big when he talks about that because Kentucky is coming off that 10-win season, which is the first one since 1977. Uh, since since going back to Bear Bryant, that's how far we got to go, 1949, 9-3. and three. 1950, the next year, 11 and 1. The next year in 51, 8 and 4. After that, 77 was the next time Kentucky got to at least nine wins. The following season, Kentucky went 4 and 6. So that tells you they loaded up uh, and everything came together at the right time for them to win 10 games. And then they all left and they were depleted. And that was that. So then it took from 1978 until 1984. I mean, 77 till 1984 to get another nine win season, went nine and three in 84. The next year, five and six in 1985. Same thing. The program is not at a place where you can have a really good year followed by another uh, year that's not a losing season. And so, 10 wins last season. This next season, now that we're in, should have been uh, by the standard of Kentucky football historically going back to, you know, 19, early 1950s. Uh, that Kentucky should fall on its face. And so when you lose your starting quarterback and you lose your backup quarterback and you lose the defensive player of the year and you lose the S, uh, the school's all-time leading rusher and then you lose the top seven players in your secondary, a few of whom are playing in the NFL. By the way, Derek Beatty was signed to the Giants practice squad today. And you still find a way to get into this UT Martin game playing for a bowl bid. You can still... Uh, win a seventh game in the regular season by beating Louisville and win an eighth in the bowl game. So you could wind up having eight wins after a 10-win season, which would be the first time that happened since the 1949-50-51 stretch there. So that speaks volumes about the talent that Stoops has recruited and how the staff has been able to adapt and find ways to win games. Yeah, and the fact that, that you know, if they don't have Terry go down uh, – you know, if they stay healthy, maybe we're talking about nine and a chance to win 10 again. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, the way this is all shaken out, and, and when you look at the landscape of the league, you know, where these teams are that they've played, um, I mean, I think they beat Tennessee with Terry. I think they probably uh, – I think there's a good chance they beat Florida. Um, maybe South Carolina and Mississippi State. Yeah, or at least one of them. Um, yeah. Probably one of them. I, you know, I, so – that that tells me that it is true what Stoop said. I, I did a big state of the program uh, piece in the summer, and I talked to him for that. And his big 
thing was I didn't, you know, everybody's questioning whether we're just going to come crashing back to earth. And I'm not worried about that because I have not, I didn't build for six years to build a team for one season. I built a program, Um, you know, and this was kind of the test of that. This was the proof in that, you know, pudding. And yeah, I think they've, I think they've demonstrated that they in fact did build a program to last uh, because they were able to, they were able to, to get, you know, assuming some disaster doesn't happen here Saturday, they're able to get back to a bowl game and not only in the year after the big win, when everybody goes to the NFL, but also sustaining a loss to their starting and backup quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, to me, that says you have in fact, yes, built a program uh, to last. And then this was the bridge year, you know, this was the year where there was a chance you would fall back but everything was setting up to, to jump right back up next year. And so the way it's established now, you know, whatever they, however they end this year, more than likely at minimum, it's six wins in a bowl game. It could be as many as eight. The expectation is they're going to be much better next season. Right. Um, and so you've got a chance to put together a three-year run where you go 10 wins, seven or eight wins, and then try to push for eight to 10 wins again, which would be the, you know, by far the best run in modern Kentucky football history. And it would be, you know, right up there with what Bear Bryant did, frankly, um, at Kentucky. Um, and then, you know, stretching it out, to be, if they do go to five straight bowl games, no coach at Kentucky's ever done that. They did do that, but it, they had four, I believe four of those were with Rich, and the fifth was was Joker's first year. That's uh, right. so, so no single coach has ever gone to four, five straight at Kentucky. Um, I know – Stoops is a flawed coach. Uh, certainly, you can pick, you know, pick nits at some different decisions and things like that. But he's he's doing stuff here that I don't think many people ever thought was were, was possible in the in the modern era. And then you look at we just talked about the the redshirt class that they I mean this freshman class that the redshirting so they're all redshirt freshmen next year and then the class that's coming in uh could possibly be the best Stoops has had um I mean that's what some of the some of the recruiting people are saying that this is shaping up that it could be that way so you're talking about building beyond that and that's what he said he said that all along stack class after class on top of one another and that's how you build it but there's also that element of leadership that he that he brings in there, like that that mental, that psychology stuff that he brings too, that I think definitely helps. And and that kind of stuff is showing up this season for sure with the receivers who didn't come to Kentucky to to play in the offense that's being run right now. Uh, and there, we're not hearing a lot of a lot of stuff. We're not seeing guys in the transfer portal. So all we hear out of the receivers when they speak publicly is we're just about winning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think they certainly seem to have a good locker room culture. And, and so if you can have really talented players and guys that aren't jerks, uh, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. All right. Before we go where we, we should wrap this up right here, but let's quickly just mention James Wiseman's situation. Uh, NCAA ruled that he'll uh, serve a 12 game suspension and must pay $11,500, which will be donated to the charity of his choice. That is the amount that uh, Penny Hardaway, uh, paid for his family to move uh, from Nashville to Memphis. And Penny Hardaway says, we were upfront about that. We were transparent about it. Maybe that's what helped is when they dropped the lawsuit and they get this, but uh, clearly a deal was struck. I want to know if the dude didn't have $11,500 to move right. and had to get it from his coach, how's he supposed to pay back 
eleven thousand five hundred dollars. Like, well, is maybe, it, I mean, is maybe it post- Penny can loan him the money? <laughs> is this is, <laughs> is this is this post dated? Like, is this when he goes to the NBA? Like, it's gonna I, have to be. How I mean, else would they do I, that? I mean, is his family expected to take out a loan? I'm. I, I am. It's not done, and maybe Penny still gets hammered. But 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 I'm pretty grossed out by the fact that to this point, the only person that is paying any price is the teenager. Right. Yeah. What's he supposed to do in that situation? It's not like Penny said, look, I'm going to give you this money, and then I'm going to get the job at Memphis, and then you're going to play for me, right? It wasn't that. It was like Penny's like, uh, well, Penny's side of it is mom was moving to Memphis anyway. But regardless, if it is just in the (laughs) AAU uh, circuit that he's moving him down there to play for his AAU team and then play for his high school team, I mean that stuff happens all the time. That's not a that's not a huge deal, uh, but but what what is the family supposed to say right there? Oh, you're going to help us move and give us this money? Okay. Yeah, it, yeah. It's uh, I don't know, man. It just it feels it feels weird to me uh, that 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 kid is is you know bearing the brunt of that, um, and and also like, but how's Penny not the one? You know, like exactly. Like, like if exactly. it's a if it's a and they and they say in the language of it, you know, an inducement, an illegal inducement. Well, who's doing the inducing? Right. Oh, it's he, your coach who was a booster before he was your coach. He was a million dollar donor booster. He's your most famous alum. Uh, he clearly represents your university. He's paying cash to a fan player's family, who he then ends up recruiting and coaching at your school. And if if the kid has to sit out. How does the coach who paid him not have to sit out? I mean, that, I mean, it really pisses me off that like every, everything falls on the kids, uh, and then the coaches go scot free. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I just <laughs> you have to punish the adults. I mean, yeah. the adults are the ones who know upfront what they're doing and what the difference between right and wrong, and the kids are caught up in it, and then they're the ones that get punished. Uh, by the way, there's been I've seen some you know comparisons made to Ennis Cantor's situation. It's uh, not just, the same. I mean, no. To be clear, with Ennis Cantor, he was he was paid thirty three thousand dollars playing for a club team in Turkey, and the NCAA ruled that he was a professional by doing that. And then UK came back and said, well, twenty thousand dollars of that thirty three thousand was for uh, expenses and education and all that. So really, he just was paid thirteen thousand dollars. And they said, well, still that breaks the amateur thing, and uh, we're not going to let him pay that back. And yeah, yeah, I totally, mean, totally like, different, totally different. Yeah, it is different. And like, I I feel for Ennis in that situation too. But like, he was a professional basketball player. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, I, I, it's not that crazy to me that he never got to play. Uh, but I also don't think that, uh, and I don't think it's crazy that James Wiseman has to sit out. Uh, but it's, it, but it is crazy to me that if he has to sit out, if nothing happens to Penny Hardaway, that will be a travesty. And Penny Hardaway should be absolutely ashamed of himself. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. All right, we'll end there with Penny Hardaway. He should be absolutely ashamed of himself. <laughs> uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to this podcast, Locked On Kentucky, free on Apple or Google, wherever you get your podcast. You can find it, Locked On Kentucky, and then you know, tell people, hey man. You heard that show, that Locked on Kentucky podcast with the wonderful hosts, Dan Reefer and Kyle Tucker, who you can follow on Twitter at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R and at Kyle 
underscore athletic. Can oh, I get that right? no. Kyle Tucker, no. Under, <laughs> Kyle Tucker <laughs> underscore ATH. <laughs> that's why I always just toss it to you, and I will continue to do that from here on forward. Yeah, I think that's the move. All right. Have a wonderful Thursday, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to wrap uh, up the week on Friday. <laughs>